6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Well, there's a study been, that's been done uh, from the University of Calgary, and it finds that the number of Albertans hospitalized for an alcohol-related liver disease almost doubled during the first wave of the pandemic. The UFC study found hospitalization rates for alcoholic hepatitis, which is inflammation of the liver as a result of excessive drinking, increased to 22.1 per 10,000 admissions, up from 11.6 per 10,000 admissions before the pandemic. The average age of the patients also declined from 48 to 43. Dr. Mark Swain is a University of Calgary liver specialist and a gastroenterologist. Dr. Swain, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much for having me again. What can you tell us about alcoholic hepatitis? What is it? Well, alcoholic hepatitis is is a uh, condition that people get that, uh, who uh, who usually drink alcohol on a more chronic basis and uh, usually at, at significant levels. And and what happens is the alcohol gets, uh, I guess, metabolized or broken down by the liver. And as part of that, it changes uh, the liver in a way that our the immune system starts to attack the liver. And when that happens, it causes damage and it can go anywhere from mild to quite profound and actually lead to people dying. Um, is, is alcoholic hepatitis different than um, fatty liver disease? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, um, so anyone who drinks enough alcohol will get fatty liver disease. It's, it's essentially universal. Okay. Uh, and then a proportion of those will get um, changes or the, these inflammatory changes in the liver, which then drive the damage and ultimately lead to scarring, which can lead to cirrhosis. So it seems like a lot of liver issues, the, the symptoms of them are, are, are silent for a long time. I mean, what should people be watching for, I guess, when you talk about fatty liver disease or, or um, alcoholic hepatitis? Are, are, the, are the symptoms similar? The, symptom, uh, the symptoms are, are somewhat uh, similar. I would say that most people with, with broadly with fatty liver disease have no symptoms. Mm-hmm. But when people start to develop alcoholic hepatitis, they, they, they can often become symptomatic. Mm-hmm. But, they're, but the symptoms are pretty nonspecific. It can be things like just don't have any get up and go, you know, uh, uh, you know fatigue. Uh, they're probably the most common symptoms. Okay. Uh, and obviously the ominous one is well, I think everyone might recognize if their eyes turned yellow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, that yeah. would t- that would make you sit up and take notice, Doctor <laughs> Swain. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happens at that point? You know, with 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 something like alcoholic hepatitis, what happens at that point if you're really not sure of the symptoms, and then you start maybe noticing some of the really serious ones? You know, trying to get into a liver specialist, there's a big old wait, like to get into a lot of specialists in this province right now. I mean, you could be waiting for quite some time. Yeah. What should you be paying attention to, and what what do you do in the meantime? Well, what what I I mean, there's two things. One is that uh, the best thing to do is recognize what what sort of drives the development of alcoholic hepatitis, yeah. so one can avoid it. Uh, but obviously, if so, uh, I mean, most commonly, it's uh, the people that end up coming to see a liver specialist are people that develop the symptoms that pinpoint liver disease. Mm-hmm. So they might have a liver test done, or they might see yellow eyes or sort of tea-colored urine. They're the kind of classic symptoms. 
symptoms, uh, and uh, and that often will precipitate a, a family doctor, or whatever, to do liver tests. Which and if and if if those show evidence of alcohol uh, uh, hepatitis, then uh, then usually those people are seen quite quickly by liver specialists. They would they would be moved into the clinic uh, quite quickly, just because of the potential serious nature of it. Interesting. Okay, these numbers um, that, that that came out in in this study. I mean the the number going from 11.6 to 22.1 and the average age of the patients declining from 48 to 43. It was that had to have been a little surprise or maybe not given the work that you do, but maybe still a little shocking. Yeah, it, it is shocking, but I think it, it broadly reflects uh, an impact of, of COVID that that uh, that I think often people don't. Well, people think about themselves, but I think uh, maybe it might not be recognized so much in the literature because we're all talked about vaccinations and all the different things, whatnot. But when because of the COVID, there's been a real impact on society. I mean, people are more under more stress. They're they're they've lost their their normal routines. So they're and there's boredom. They don't have their normal sort of social structures. And so uh, that time that that people now have, uh, coupled with the stress and anxiety, uh, often drives uh, behaviors like drinking more alcohol or drinking or, or eating more food. And there's certainly uh, weight gain uh, during COVID is 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 very prevalent. And uh, people are eating comfort foods. You know, they feel all of these symptoms drive comfort food consumption, and uh, and and also not getting out outside to do the normal sort of physical activities you might do. And alcohol similar I think yeah and, and and all of those things from what I've read over the years um, you know maybe losing some weight get getting your ex- getting exercise done yeah you know, obviously cutting back on on the alcohol eating a more liver friendly diet would all go towards um, helping if you had any of these issues well, for sure, but the, the problem is, of course, is when we're under stress, that's the hardest time to do hard. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, I, I guess it's all, it's anything, uh, the best way to approach things is with moderation, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. if people are stressed out and, and have a, and are, you know, having issues with dealing with, with, with COVID, then, then having some comfort food, you know, is, is, better, is better than, you know, some of the alternatives, I think. But uh, if someone has a, a history of drinking, Drinking alcohol daily or significant amounts of alcohol, then then I think it's a time to reassess that, and mm-hmm. and uh, because that 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 is the driver, and uh, and uh, uh, an alcoholic hepatitis, uh, although it's a vague kind of thing in most people's mind. I mean, up to up to one in ten people can die of alcoholic hepatitis, so it can be very very serious. Can it be reversed? It can be reversed, and so uh, I mean, obviously, the most important thing is to cut back or stop alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, once the problem is that once alcoholic hepatitis really sets in, and then we, and and if it's a, it, it can be sort of mild, moderate, or severe, and it can take up to six weeks after someone stops drinking alcohol, uh, significant amounts of alcohol, to develop. And so that you know they think, oh, I'm in, I'm out of the woods or whatever, but in fact, they they uh, you know f- a month later they they start to become quite ill uh, and, and so I, I think it's important to recognize this as a possibility and then try to adjust one's lifestyle accordingly uh, recognizing that that more than a, a couple drinks a week for a male and really about one maybe one and a half drinks a day for a female uh, if you go above that then you're really getting into a heavy alcohol heavier or heavy ish alcohol consumption 
Final question, and I think I asked this to, to you last time we were there, but I'm always fascinated by it because I still see it everywhere. You know, you look at different um, uh, supplements that claim to help the liver. There's like liver detox, there's milk thistle, there's turmeric, all these, yeah. all these. It, does any of that, do we know if any of that does anything? Not really. It doesn't really do anything. I mean, the problem is that most of these things deal with the liver as a, as a like a filter or something that we all can visualize very easily. Whereas the the liver is a biological machine, mm. and, and it's not. It, it, there's nothing that we can take like that that's going to clean the liver or or cleanse the liver. All these things that are promised, unfortunately, it's just try, try, trying to treat our our bodies more carefully by yeah. watching a little bit what we eat and what we drink. Yeah, there's no magic pill, is there? No. No, I think no. we just, you know, want to click our heels together and, and wish it away at times. Uh, Dr. Swain, I always appreciate our conversations. Thank you for, um, for, for your input on this one. Yeah, my pleasure. It was, it was fun chatting again. Take care. Dr. Thanks. Mark Swain is a University of Calgary liver specialist. He's a gastroenterologist. Uh, he wrote a par- paper last year on non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and, you know, the warnings about that and what that could mean down the road with the number of people that it was showing up in and what it could mean as far as hospitalizations and beds I mean 20 30 years from now about alcohol hepatitis uh, a little bit different but this study by the way it compared data on all adult Alberta based patients that were admitted to hospital between March 2020 and September 2020 to data on admissions between March 18th no sorry March 2018 and February 2020 20. So some interesting numbers there, but always that um, that reminder, right, about the things that we are putting into our bodies or, or maybe not putting into our bodies.